believers who have sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, and I are God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, O Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who selected us from all the peoples and gave us his Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. 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 Thank you. And with that, I am going to stop saying the Torah. Not really. Um, I'm actually not going to read a single Bible verse tonight unless that's, we happen to go there. But um, I know, it's really kind of weird. Sacrifice. Bibleist, Bibleist. That's a good way to like start off tonight's lesson, which is basically saying last week we talked about the different types of work associated with um, what you should not be doing on Shabbat. Um, and basically, it's all based off of the, the biblical principles behind building the, the tabernacle. But once you start establishing that, then you kind of, well, from what I've researched anyway, you kind of leave the Bible behind. Um, and at that point, it becomes a process of, of sort of almost like a legal debate. We're going to discuss, or the sages just already have, what went into building the tabernacle, and then what those actions really are, and in turn, how we apply those. So it's kind of a trickle-down effect, if you will, Reagan economics of Torah study, to go from big principle, <coughs> tabernacle building, to how does it affect me. So, so just to make sure you guys got my class straight, my class was focused on the fact that this is how they came up with it. Mm -hmm. No, it's not how many times the word appears. <laughs> No, it's not the gematria. It's simply the 39 was fixed. The 39 was how many articles are in the tabernacle? Well, why did they go there? Because of the proximity thing, which is why I brought up atonement. Mm -hmm. If you agree that vicarious atonement by the righteous is legitimate based on what the sages say, which I think we all do, then you agree with their proximity argument. This was right next to this. This was right next to this. This was right next to that. Therefore, the death of the righteous brings atonement. If you believe that, well, it's the same argument. We talk about Shabbat right before building the tabernacle. We talk about, building, uh, about keeping Shabbat right after building the tabernacle. In between, 39 Actions, 39 items. Yeah, so there you go. And if you believe that, then we're done with the scripture. Because now, what does it take to dye a garment? Well, in those days, it, it took planting a seed, growing a plant, mashing the sleeves, and making the dye to then dip. And that's, that's what they're talking about. Right. The actions to build the tabernacle are the actions we should not take. That are milking us now. Whatever it may be. Basically, I feel like when I, from my study and from our conversation and whatnot, I, I really keyed in on the word melachot because melacha is um, an unusual word for work. And it specifically shows up both in the Shabbat prohibition and the discussion on keeping Shabbat and it shows up in the listing of the work done for the tabernacle. And in the creation story. And in the creation story. So I really do feel like there's a connection there. That Remember being that said, not to read about. Ever. That being said, um, I think there is open, there is some room for debate and discussion as to whether or not things are being applied correctly. 
And I'll be honest with you, I got done preparing for this lesson. I still don't know exactly what I think about these topics. So I look forward to hearing your thoughts. So let's get started. Um, I'm going to uh, key in on a handful of... Um, Ah. I didn't tell him not to ring the bell. That's great. Oh, that's thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Don't have a ring. Yeah. Pardon me. Can we have show I'll, and tell? I'll be back. In. These are lead molds so that I can pour nine millimeter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This will be stricken from the tape. He yeah. won't be. He won't be pouring bullets on Shabbat. Okay. Thank um, you so much. <laughs> but today I'm going to take a look at three of the thirty-nine millimeter and how they apply specifically to the issue of personal grooming. Personal grooming. Um, the question is: toothbrush or not toothbrush? Teeth. <laughs> Um, I want to start off with some key terms, just to kind of, kind of whet your appetite. And if you do any study on your own, this will kind of help you kind of understand what they're talking about. Um, the first one is an Oz Melaka, or a work father, a work daddy. Basically, um, it's a Bible-based activity. It's the primary. So it's one of the ones that's like the main category, one of the 39. Then another one is Toldot, or literally offspring, which are related actions. Uh, uh, uh. Related. related uh, um, so it's like they are like subcategories within the 39. And quite frankly, we should recognize that from the portion which is named. Toiling throughout your generation. generations. Exactly. Right. And the, um, so I think, especially as you start to look at this, I, I, I do think that it's, well, I haven't looked at them really in depth at all of them, but I think that for the most part, the Av Melaka, the, 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 the 39 Melakot, do certainly make sense as prohibitions. Mm -hmm. um, I think what there's maybe more room for discussion is on the toldo. Um, but by the way, just as we go through our slides, I've got like little notes, the footnotes at the bottom where I'm getting these things. This one came from h.com. Uh, another phrase is patur aval asur, which literally means exempt but prohibited. And basically, it's the concept that um, when you break Shabbat, you can die. Like, it's a big deal to break a biblical prohibition on Shabbat. And if you don't die, if you break a commandment but don't do it with the right intent or whatever else, you can suffer lashes and so on and so forth. So basically, there are some things that the sages have looked at and said, well, this isn't serious enough to get you punished, but basically it's a fence. We, we put up a fence here. We're afraid that if you do this, you will get so close to doing something wrong, you probably will do something wrong. So we went ahead and put up this fence around it, and technically it's exempt, but we're saying you shouldn't do it. Now, this comes up, I think, more so when you deal with issues of, like, health. Like, there's certain, like, they break down, like, what, you know, how much pain you're in, how sick you are, whatever else, based on what you can violate. And this would be, like, one of those categories that, like, okay, if you're not doing too well, you know, not life and death, but really, like, bedridden kind of sick, you can break these, that kind of concept. Um, now, uh, speaking of fence making, and this is actually a really important um, topic when it comes to pretty much all of them, especially those we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, most, many of the rules are really to try and prevent you from breaking a real one. So that doesn't, that basically, that's one reason why I think it's up for discussion, is because it's not so much a biblical, they'll even admit, this is not biblical, they'll say, this is rabbinic. But the rabbinic commandments have a reason for them too. Right. And the, uh, an example we came up with is that uh, rabbinic commandment has you start Shabbat 18 minutes early and end Shabbat 42 minutes after sundown. Now, technically, you can light your candles five minutes before sundown. That's not breaking Shabbat. But what happens if your watch is slow? What happens if you forget? What happens if 
you know, you are checking the sunset for the town next door, and it's a minute off from your town, you know, whatever the case may be. So the idea is the, the fences are there to help you from accidentally breaking a commandment. Um, I mean, you have to remember that the reasons behind these fences, and I'm going to mention this at the end, it's not a holier-than-thou attitude. It's the idea that God's commandments are so good, and they're so holy, and his name is so worthy of reverence and respect, the last thing we would want to do is break one of his commandments. Amen. I, before I forget, I know you're going to tell us which of the 39 you're doing next week. Yeah. And you're going to tell us after he tells us what you're going to do. And you're going to tell us after he tells us what you're going to do. But I have already committed that carrying on Shabbat is Greg Uppen's. He, he asked for that last week. And as, as you pointed out, a lot of this has to do with the fence and so forth. And, and the question comes up, to your point here, the guy that we killed, the family man we killed, the one guy was caught doing what? Gathering sticks. He was gathering sticks. Why'd they kill him? Gathering sticks is not against your burden. Maybe he was carrying the sticks. Okay. He was bluntly told not to. Well, he was it, was, it, it is a, was, that, he, was he getting the sticks to that's kindle a fire? Really interesting. Maybe, maybe. technically, this, is, this is one reason why the fences come into play. Because, and this is one reason why the applications come into play. Because technically, the guy who was gathering sticks had never been told not to gather sticks. Right. But he had been told not Not to gather gather manna. manna. And after we killed him, we were told... (laughs) Killed him? Hey, stay in your place. Let no man go out of his place. place. So, anyway, that's just... uh, so you would think that they had been told, but maybe it's just not written down. It was like an oral tradition. No. So, oh, whoa. Oh, oh, yeah. Since they were messengers to the world, would that be apostolic scripture? Coming out of one controversy and into another. Come on. Um, uh, basically, the nice thing, this gets really helpful, actually, when you start thinking about the Melaton. Because if you ever look at a list all by itself, you're going, where did these guys come up with some of these? Like, what is this? And actually, it's really sensical, because what they've done is they've categorized the different activities that were necessary to build the tabernacle, and then they broke those down into what it took to make those elements. So the 39 Malakot have a number of categories, and this is from Chabad.org. One category is field work, so that would be things like winnowing and plowing, and so on and so forth. Another category is making material curtains, and that would be like um, any of the, the various misandry cloth or, you know, animal skin curtains and whatnot um, on the main parts of the tabernacle. And then uh, you've got making leather curtains. That shows up, too, with the um, porpoise skins or whatever those were and so on. Tachash. Tachash, yes. So we've got issues like slaughtering and tanning that come into effect there. Um, I thought this was really interesting that making mishkan beams is actually where the writing and erasing comes. And um, I can speak from experience with you, sir, from Sunday, that when you're cutting stuff, it's good to mark how far in you've gotten, so that way you know when you take the saw that that's how long a pole you just cut. So it actually does make some sense, really? writing and erasing. Um, put up and taking down the tabernacle, uh, of course, is building and breaking down. 
Um, and then also a section they, they labeled final touches, which are actually where they as associate lighting a fire and extinguishing a fire, striking the final hammer below is another one of the melachot, um, as well as carrying. Because of course, once the tabernacle is, elements are constructed, and you've got to move it, and you've got to do things in it. So that's basically the stuff there. I don't mean to keep interrupting you, but since you're the first guy out of the shoot here, um, my goal when we're all done with these, it's not just to make the decision, but I've got granddaughters. Thank you very much. My goal is to be to be very clear with my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to say, Sophia, don't tie that kind of knot. Tie this kind of knot. Mm -hmm. Because today is the Sabbath. So it's okay for you to tie a knot, but it needs to be the kind of knot that we can take out. Not a permanent knot. Right. Yeah, I want to make it easy. If I, if we can't make it easy, we're doing something wrong. Well, and that's one of the, and you mentioned a really good point. We, I think we talked about this last week even. Um, as you dig into the Melachot and the applications, it can be a little bit overwhelming. Um, but that shouldn't necessarily be a totally frightening thing. And again, I'm not saying I'm doing them all or anything like that. I'm just, as I'm, I'm learning with all of you. But teaching the next generation is really where the power comes in. They don't know anything different. If we can come up at least with some level of kalaka <laughs> that we have set up or that we use theirs or whatever it may be, um, we'll make mistakes and we'll, we'll mess up. But at least, hopefully, the next generation will get so comfortable doing it, it will be easy. Amen. It will be second nature. It Amen. won't be like this, oh, I have to quick pull out my shulchan aruch. What, what do I do about this? You know, they'll, it'll be something that's like automatic. They just know. And that being said, Judaism even today is still having to teach and learn and grow. Um, some of the things I pulled up are from rabbis that were in the last hundred years. So it's not to say, especially with technology as it changes, it's not to say that you, you get it totally mastered, but it is to say that you get it down enough that you have a relaxed, easy-flowing Shabbat. You're not constantly thinking, is, can I do this? Can I not do that? Or, or what is it we need to do on Friday? On the right. sixth day. Because a lot of it is preparation. Like grinding a whole bunch of pepper <laughs> and <laughs> coffee having and your salt. Tea. Having your servants prepare your... Having your servants prepare your meals ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God bless her. Yeah. I think that eventually it does become easy. However, at least for us, I think there's a learning curve. Yeah. Um, just this past week, Lori and I tried to be as Shomer Shabbat as we could... And one of the things we eliminated was the light switches. Oh. And you will be amazed <laughs> at the reflex. You know, when you walk into a room, your arms just... Left arm goes out. Your yeah, arms yeah. just start flinging out. And so, especially if it's two in the morning, you're going to the bathroom, you're just fumbling, and then you hit it. And then and in a panic to re-put it down, you're knocking everything over. <laughs> <laughs> Don't! Waking up the baby. And so, I think that, unfortunately, uh, we have a lot of hurdles, identity crisis, learning curves of Shabbat, all of this. Yeah. But like you said, if we can teach the next generation that this isn't just what we do because that's what you do, but this is how you make Shabbat enjoyable. Because honestly, mm -hmm. being the Shomer Shabbat as much as we could was one of the best Shabbats we've ever had. Mm -hmm. Because it makes everything intentional. Like yeah. You're so, just, it's all about Shabbat. Because everything's now set apart. So, well, I don't do this, not because oh, I can't do that, but 
it's it's a day off now mm -hmm. for doing your, all that. Wait till your son looks up at you and says, "Father, man." And for them, I feel like the more we train them, the easier it's just going to be reflex mm -hmm. for them, and right. it's not Amen. a learning curve. That's right. right. Very much so. Um, <clears throat> so, sheep to tabernacle uh, is the concept behind shearing. Um, I, I, I pull a lot of this stuff from Halakhli speaking, his little magazine that I found online. Um, but basically the concept is you're going to use wool and sheep hide, not just the wool, to make the, the curtains and whatnot for the tabernacle. So the sages basically looked at this and said, well, how do you do that? Well, you have to take the wool, it's shorn, it's cleaned, it's combed, it's dyed, it's made into threads, it's woven, it's sewn. There's like 12 or something different categories that fit within this one segment. So uh, then they look at that and say, well, how does that apply to us? And um, the one category that's kind of a combo deal because of its application, even though it's two totally different things, um, is shearing and combing. I, I feel myself standing in front of the mirror. You, you should, because that's, that's where a lot of this is going to focus. Um, so the question, this is actually really kind of cool. The sages, in order to figure out how to apply it to us, how to apply these, these things to us, they look at it and they say, well, what is the action really doing? It's not just literally taking wool off of a sheep, because if you don't personally own sheep, and I know that I don't, then you can't apply it at all. So they looked at it and said, well, what is it literally doing? Well, if you boil sheep shearing, but not in its mother's milk, <laughs> as, <laughs> as much as, as to its basic minimum, it's removing a regenerating or regrowing item from a living being. Yeah. You're taking the wool off, and surprise, six months later, the wool's back. So no, so, no clipping of the fingernails. Then. So that's one of the things that comes up, is clipping fingernails. Um, and in addition to that, also things like shaving. Shaving falls in that category. So does uh, removing hair, like if you were to pluck out a gray eyelash or eyebrow, whatever, you know, eyelash, it'd be kind of weird if your eyelashes are going gray. But, um, <laughs> Welcome to my room. Anyway, um, and also removing dead skin. There are some exemptions um, because they recognize that some of these things actually can be painful. And uh, an exemption, for example, would be a loose fingernail that's already come halfway off. Yeah. You got this loose fingernail that's halfway off. It's, it's catching on stuff. Either. It hurts. You can take it off. They, in order to try and separate the Shabbat again, they, they don't want you to do it with nail clippers. They just kind of peel it off or bite it off or whatever else. But interestingly enough, they're so careful with, with clipping fingernails that if it's not already off, they recommend not even like biting it off anyway. Again, trying to sanctify and separate. This is an item that's fully attached to my finger. To take it off would be like a form of shearing. Mm. So they actually encourage people not to bite their nails during the week so they won't accidentally do that on Shabbat. Mm. Guess it gets so, I, so I can't use the grinding wheel to take off the... Uh, <laughs> what Probably not. Um, but another good example would be like a Band-Aid. You get a Band-Aid on... on the, well, if you're a guy, if you get a Band-Aid on just about anywhere. You've got hair you're going to probably take off in the process. Um, so, but if it's like hanging on for dear life and it hurts, they actually do say, okay, try to find an alternative to get it off. And apparently olive oil helps remove the adhesive. I had no idea. I'm thinking, why have I been doing this my whole life? I could have been pulling out. Anyway. Um, How to use band-aids. Uh, right. uh, but they also say that if it won't come off, worst case scenario, it's causing pain you can go ahead and take it off. And that's one of the things. I mean, the sages 
even though at times when you look at it from our perspective, things can look extreme, they do have a certain level of, I mean, they do have compassion for people. They're not trying to make it outrageous or difficult to do. They're trying to make sure they don't break the commandment. All right, so one of the ones that's most controversial from what I looked at anyway, that I definitely want to discuss is the issue of combing. And this gets really weird because actually the issue of combing your hair is not covered by the melacha of combing. It's actually covered by the melacha of shaving. Let me explain. The sages would look at it and say that combing always is going to pull out hair. And if you've ever looked at your comb, especially if you're using any kind of hair gel, you can agree. Like There's always some hairs stuck on your comb when you're done. So the fence says that's way too close to actually shaving because it's pulling hairs out. Now, um, their recommendations is you can comb with your hands, kind of gently or lightly, or with a soft brush. One example was a baby brush uh, because those aren't going to pull the hairs out. Uh, now, some people would argue this is actually a surprisingly like, passionate subject for some of the uh, rabbis, especially in the last hundred years, because a lot of religious Jews don't know this or don't realize this because it is a little bit of an abstract principle. Shaving is, means you can't comb. Anyway, the point that one person brought up or they discussed is the idea that, um, well, you don't really want the hair to come out. And one of the things about Shabbat prohibitions is that if you do the action but don't intend the result, then it's not necessarily prohibited. Like, if I'm going to do, like, if I'm going to wash my hands and it so happens that I'm standing over, like, my neighbor's flower pot while I do that, I'm kind of helping the pot or the flowers grow. I'm watering the flowers, but I'm not trying to. It's not even my flowers. I don't even care. So that would be, like, an example of something where, like, you didn't mean to, and it's not what you're intending to do. It's an accidental re- result. So some people look at this and they go, wait, wait, wait. They don't mean to pull your hair out when you comb your hair. It's an accident. The argument coming back was that some of the sheep shearing also wasn't on purpose. They wanted the skin, not the wool, which I didn't realize that, but that was interesting. Um, so it doesn't really matter whether it's on purpose or not. Another follow-up point from Rabbi Yisrael Mayor Kagan, he's in the last hundred years. He's a recent guy. Um, he's saying there's no way you can comb without pulling out hairs. You know it's going to do that. So you might as well have wanted to do it then. Because it's pretty much impossible otherwise. Now, I understand. This is controversial. I'm looking at some gents here who have very nicely groomed hair, particularly on Shabbat. So I, I recognize that this is a bit complicated. And I would love to talk about it um, with you guys some more. So that's a... Just a some of us are losing hair just by breathing. This is true. Right. Well, if are we talking about this with, like... Uh, I think you mentioned this. Is this with... A utensil, or is this with my hands? No, it's primarily with utensil. I mean, I guess technically you could comb your ha- hair with your hands too vigorously, but I mean, the the main focus is on the idea of using it like a comb. So I can still use my hands and stuff. To kind of, yeah. Okay. But what if that pulls out hairs accidentally? Well, I guess they're saying that the odds of that are considerably less likely. Um, so unless you are harsh during the week to see if you are likely to comb out hair while you're putting your you're hair in my age, you just point. better not touch your head. One of their, one of their <laughs> options, actually, is interesting because they, they actually said one of the things that has to do with this was uh, scratching your beard on Shabbat. They said yeah. that also pulls out hair. Out yeah, it does so fall out. So you try to really? avoid doing that as well. That. Um, well. Your beard's not long enough to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as the combing goes, one, one kind of half-humorous comment I read online Someone's like, so you're just gonna like basically load down with moose, and you know, right before Shabbat begins, <laughs> and hope it lasts to the next day. 
Um, but the anyway, so that's where the combing issue comes in. Speaking of which, I didn't really delve into this because it's a different topic, but using hair gel apparently is prohibited under the condition of smoothing. Ooh. What, which, what about hair cream? What about well, paste? paste? I didn't study it in depth, so I, I may have simply found the most basic ones and not really like looked into it really. But that's somebody else's topic. Can it be smoothing if you're just sticking it up straight? I, I don't know. That one's for Peter. Ask Peter. Did they mention anything about hats being because sometimes if you take on and off a hat, that could also cause um, hairs to fall out and they could get stuck in the in the inside and obviously right. hats are big in the Orthodox community. So I wonder they if don't take them. That was but it's not their intention. Well I think it's it's again it has to do with like probability. Like okay, like like the job that I do right now, I work in a bank and part of my my work is to ensure that we don't accidentally break rules. So basically when you're doing that, one of the things you're worried about is risk. How likely is it I'm going to break this rule? How likely is it somebody else is going to be stupid enough to break this rule? How likely is it that if I've got rules on rules, I will end up preventing people from breaking them without completely making business impossible? And that's basically what we're talking about here. Like when we're dealing with this issue, this, the, the, the rabbis, when they're, when they're working on it, they're looking at risk. They're saying the odds of you moving hair with your hands is slim. The odds of you moving hair with a comb is really high. So the risk that you pull out hair with your comb is too high to ignore. Now, again, this is an application. I'm not saying I'm necessarily going to you know, put my comb away on Shabbat. I'm just saying you what, what they say, basically, to help uh, encourage discussion. But that's basically the, the mentality behind that particular topic and kind of what it all comes from. By the way, hairspray is okay because that is simply you to hold it in place. Aerosol glue. You're not allowed, because it's not like you're not rubbing it in or anything. It's just that's actually like really good to keep it from falling out. It could, yeah, actually. It also keeps keep on. Um, ironically, the, the subject of combing actually deals with combing the wool after it's already off the sheep, which in your case does not apply to you because it's no longer attached to a living being. Well, or so. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not applying to your hair. Um, that, uh, that the Rabbi Yosef Schusterman of Chabad of North Beverly Hills, which is a very hairy cool. guy. Um, he's got a little like three-minute audio cast on Chabad.org that deals with this topic. Um, but so, in, in that respect, combing does not apply to you. Uh, that does not mean that combing doesn't apply to you at all. And this is really interesting because combing was intended to get the tangles <clears throat> and things out of the wool. So one of the things that they warn against is if you have like really tangled tzitzit or like you know in those necklaces where like you pull it out and it's just like a big block right. and you're like <laughs> you shouldn't be using headphones anyway you know shaking it like crazy trying to get it off or if you're zitzit if you know they're like tight you you have three zitzit not four because it's all just totally those are the things that might be a problem because untangling that would be a would be the application off of the combing because that's the idea is you're removing the tangles out of it, which is what the combing was originally supposed to do. Yes, Taylor? Are, is all of this, just so I'm clear, with the categories that you established from earlier, is all of this kind of under the subgenre of grooming? No, actually, are all combing, these, are these combing, combing and, shearing. and shearing are actually two of the melachot, but the applications would then be, like, I guess, subcategories. So, um, combing and shearing are, because basically what they said is, they look at it and they go, we gotta get tabernacle made from items that come from a sheep. How do you do that? Well, along the way, because they literally started from the beginning. Because yeah. they're like, okay, so if I'm going to have 
you know, hide and wool in my tabernacle and in the priestly garments and all that stuff, the way I get it there, if I consider everything that needs to be done, to start with the sheep. And the plants in order to create some of the dyes. Right. So we're they're, talking they're about going to the very long beginning. Long before. Yeah. We're going to the very beginning because they want to look at everything you've got to do to build the tabernacle. Because they're saying the melachot for the tabernacle are the melachot you're not supposed to do on Shabbat. So they want to make sure they cover all of those. So they start from the very beginning. Got a sheet, meh, in the pen. <laughs> How do we get from that to a curtain? And that's part of the process here. So like shearing is one step. Combing is one step. And shaving falls under combing. Shaving, shaving falls, falls under shearing. Shaving falls shearing. But brushing falls under shearing. I know, it's confusing. I think you're splitting hairs. Now, another topic that comes up is laundering, which is also something translated as washing. Uh, and I think the list that we had last week was washing, which immediately makes you go, uh oh, can I not wash my hands on Shabbat? This is going to be potentially dangerous. Expect an Italian family to stop laundering on Shabbos. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the actual <laughs> focus of this in the, in the, in the Mishkan building was whitening wool. You gotta, you gotta get the wool. The wool is dirty and full of junk and whatnot in it, and it's miscolored. So we want to make it as, as clean as possible to be used in the sewing and dyeing process. So that changes it. It's no longer washing like putting water on something. It's the idea of taking a stain or another unwanted element out of something. That's a different topic. So it's literally removing something, and generally it's something ingrained in the material. For the most part, that refers to liquids or some sort of like grease off of food or whatever the case may be. There are special exemptions that deal with dust. Like they, they recommend being like you can only like lightly shake out a dusty clothing item because the dust has become kind of ingrained in with the fibers. But that would be one of the few things with that. For the most part, when you're dealing with this this particular malachot in the application, it's strictly based off of uh, some kind of liquid substance. So this doesn't cover just like if you wore a shirt for three days. And then you just want to watch it. Does this cover that, or um, technically you don't have any? Yeah, kind of. Because again, you're taking something out of it. In that case, you've got sweat, I presume, unless it's the dead of winter. In which case, why are you washing your shirt? Um, but the, I mean, like the most the most common examples that I saw that immediately got me thinking, oh, I can see why that might happen. Would be like you're having Shabbat dinner Friday night, and oops, oops. oh no, yeah, tomato so, sauce, quick. Take it to there. Let's scrub it a little bit. Let's add some, you know, whatever to it, and we're gonna cold yeah, water. We're gonna we're gonna dump it in a little in a little uh, so, uh, box full of water. You know, we're gonna put it put it in the wash. Turn the wash on real quick. That would be an example of like laundering. This is that that would be like crossing the line according to the applications that the, the rabbis came up with. Um, they do say, by the way, you can try some more creative ways to get something out. Like you, if you go. drop food what on your shirt, go. you can actually kind of. Uh, smack at it from the back side apparently that might you know flick some of it off um, you can basically as long as you're not like pulling it all the way out like if you've got a little splotch that's left over then if you get the, the food off that's fine because the point is that you're not getting the stuff that's out of the fibers that's what they're basically trying to get at um, it's stuck for, inside the fibers for those of you who tend to drop spaghetti sauce as I do on a white shirt. Um, it's my understanding that if you notice that you have gotten some medallions, <laughs> uh, you can take your shirt off and just put it in the water. 
and leave it until after Shabbat. That way the stain will not set, but you are not removing the stain. That's a possibility. I could see that. Um, All you're doing is getting it wet. One of the examples... You would have to have the water pre-filled. Oh, no, no, no. You can fill your sink. Yeah, there's actually nothing wrong with putting water on the well, I don't know about your Unless washing machine, but you certainly... Right. That, yeah, that's a totally different issue. Hot water, to- and that goes back into cooking. It's totally different problem. You could, in preparation, if you knew you were having spaghetti, fill the basin, put some bleach in. Do you don't need bleach? No, you don't need water? Depends on how white you want that shirt in. Cold is fine. Cold water, you just need more. I can speak from experience that with maybe some stain exemptions, waiting 24 hours will not destroy your clothes. Especially if it's wet. Well, and especially if you have a very talented woman who can yeah. get the well, stain out. That's not a given. So that's if you don't have that, I recommend you either talk to my wife or his wife. Throw it in this His thing. wife. My wife. What, Josh any of the wives in the room. They are probably very talented. This out. Because, unfortunately, I am one of those guys that just finds ways to spill things on myself. I don't know how. I think all Josh was really saying is that we all should get married. Yeah, that's basically what it was. Not a bad thing. Not on Shabbos. So, one of the examples they bring up is a very interesting one I would never thought of, is that if you get dirty water on a washcloth and you want to wring the dirt out, that would actually cover the topic of laundry. Because it's got dirty water in it, and you're getting it out. And that that was a very interesting topic. However, that being said, um, they actually say that if you have a cloth specifically for drying off dishes... That's okay, because it's supposed to get wet. Right. So you dry off the dishes, and as long as it's not sopping wet so that you don't accidentally wring it out when you pick it up, you're good. Mm-hmm. So until it gets to a point where just you know, just simply doing the drying process is causing it to like wring out, you're fine. Interestingly enough, this also applies to showering. It's actually totally fine, with based on orthodox principle, to take a cold shower. Now, again, that sounds kind of interesting, but that, <laughs> that goes into cooking. Again, totally different topic. But it's nothing wrong with taking a cold shower on Shabbat. Um, the only concern is that you have to be careful with the towel drying yourself out or wringing out your hair when it's wet. So those are the elements of laundering that get applied the trickle-down effect from cleaning wool to wringing out a towel. Anyway, so again, I'm not saying what I am or I am not doing here necessarily. I kind of want to discuss it. But that's just kind of what, that's what the rabbis do. That's what the Orthodox do. My wife has made it clear that the dish towel is intended to take clean water off of clean dishes. Right. And therefore, we would never be wringing dirty water out of the can dish you, towel. Can you <laughs> wring clean towels? Like at all? Uh, no. You're, you're not just laundering. If you well, touch it, it well, I, it's not clean. I don't know how clean. I think that's the issue. Is there something? I, I mean, it, it's this no, action. I, from everything that I this, can see, this action you can't even, possibly know. Because even like the, uh, you know, wringing out your hair from a shower, like a wringer outer machine, yeah. <laughs> out for you. Maybe. Um, interestingly enough, they actually had some recommendations about avoiding temptation for accidentally doing one of these things. Uh, one example they gave is don't hang your hat or coat above a dirty floor, expecting it, it's going to fall off, and be like, ah oh, man, oh oops, oops. <laughs> um, Another one example was just what he was talking about. Don't use your dirty hands on the cloth. It's not supposed to get dirty. Because you might think, oh, no. Oh, oops. So that's one of the things we were talking about earlier, the importance of prep ahead of time, and then knowing enough about it so that you don't accidentally do something wrong in the middle of the day. It's easy to do. So 
the prep and some of the extra fences are designed to keep you from breaking the real things. Um, I mentioned the shower issue. So basically at this point, I want to get your thoughts. I've, I've given you what I found. Um, like I said, fences are not intended to be holier than thou. They're not intended to make things hard. They're not intended to be like a, you know, a challenge of wits or something. They're intended to be Yerat Hashem. It's fear of Hashem. It's saying, God is so holy, I don't want to break one of his commandments. So we're going to put up fences to make sure we don't accidentally do that. Um, that being said, you could look at it, some people might look at it and say, well, this fence isn't really a biblical prohibition, and it's going to make my Shabbat pretty much miserable, which is breaking a commandment. So, like I said, I want to talk about it and hear what you guys have to say. Jens? Which one first? Take one. So we start off with combing, right? No, shearing. Shearing. Shearing, which deals with brushing. So it's shearing, combing, and washing. Mm-hmm. And shavings under shearing. Mm. Well, he's thinking. I, I would say that... Uh, <laughs> yeah. We haven't had the hot water, cold water deal yet. Yeah. Um, but it, it seems to me that the, you know, I've got the last class. I had the first one. I'll have the last one. The last one, I can tell you right now, is going to be, okay, yeah. now that we, we have all of these <laughs> things, what was Peter talking about in Acts chapter 2? When he said that our fathers had placed a burden on us that could not be borne, what was that? Right? That even that not even the fathers could bear. So what was that? I would have to say I couldn't say it's this because there's a whole bunch of people who are doing this. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, I mean what I just read out is an Orthodox standard. Like, there's an entire. I mean, there are literally hundreds of thousands of people who have no problem keeping these commandments. So. So the, the question at the end of this, this series is going to be, okay, how do we teach our grandchildren? Mm. How, how do we raise our children? So it's just second nature, and it's easy, and it's not a burden. Mm. How do we maintain the joy of the Shabbat while we're being careful about his mitzvot? Which is what we desire, which is what he desires. So um, that, that's, the, that's the end game, right? Um, seems to me in what you've shared so far in, in these parts of the Melachot I don't have a problem I'm, I'm thinking to myself I go to the bathroom I'm going to wash my hands I'm going to dry clean hands on a clean towel I, it's not going to get sopping I can't it. remember the last time I rang out a, you know, unless I was washing somebody's car, so I'm going to hang the towel on the on the bar. I'm cool with that. Um, running my fingers through my hair to comb it instead of using a comb—that's happening already. You know? <laughs> so I'm not I'm not hearing a a burden, nor am I hearing things that I need to teach my grandchildren that are so tediously specific that it would it would cause you know no my good don't do that I, I'm not seeing that at least in what you presented so I'm 
so far. I mean, the guys after you may blow that, but right so far, I'm feeling pretty good. Right, and I mean, just to lead off here, I've already, like, don't shave on Shabbat. I've been doing right. that. I, I may have done it once or twice in the last, like, year and a half, but I pretty much right. don't. Yeah. If, if you're going to shave, it's a Friday deal. Right, and actually the great part about that, I really like that. I personally don't enjoy Take shaving. Take a break. I look good shaving. I don't enjoy shaving. It doesn't you know, feel nice. So, um, Take the break. break. I mean, that's hotter. Sixth day, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of fun. My wife gets a bad boy look for the weekend. That's great. Yeah. So, yeah. Shabbat is special, and I don't shave on Shabbat. Um, clipping fingernails, I kind of waver, waffle back from that, but I probably will take that out too. I can see there's a direct correlation there. But, um, but another opportunity for Friday. Right, correct. Do and actually, they encourage as a mitzvah to clip your nails on Friday, just saying. Go ahead, Taylor. Better for shops too. Oh, right. One of the things that I was thinking of as I think through more of the uh, Malikot, on pretty much everyone that I can think of on these, there's never a situation where I'm like, man, you know what I, I have to do right now is clip my fingernails. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's Shabbat. Like, there's none of these that I'm like, I have to do this right now, or there's going to be some consequences. So every single one of these, are, it's pretty much just our convenience that's yeah. at stake and yeah. some most of these things or yeah. mindset or it's just luxury it's yeah. just this is what we do all week I don't want to have to be like given the slight inconvenience of not doing this thing which has zero bearing on my actual being it's right. just right. something I do and it's easy I feel like if you were to eliminate every single one of these, it actually would simplify your life a lot. Yeah. If, or just on Shabbat. <laughs> make your morning routine a lot more relaxing. <laughs> yeah. And so instead of, because I mean, if you think about your morning routine right now, it's like, okay, get up, do this, do this, do that. And you have like oh, 20 things you have to do. And it takes like, oh, 45 minutes. But if you just like imagine, if you just eliminate all those, you don't need to do any of those. And just, you could have so much time for actually meaningful things. Yeah, or if you focus... As, as Joshua said, a, a decisive, decided, I'm going to clip my nails on the sixth day. Yeah. Because I don't want to have to deal with that on the seventh day. Right. I don't have to worry about something breaking. It's too short to break now because I cut them on the sixth day. Right. The seventh day, I'm golden. You know, I'm not going to be digging ditches out there. So how am I going to break the nails? Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Mike Taylor was talking about. Speak the, through you guys are in the uh, hot <laughs> Oh, um, but like mindsets so is like everything's intentional. One of the things that really helped me when I start, first started like cutting out shellfish and pork was just the mindset of, well, that's now I have an opportunity to worship God with what I eat. So it's the same thing with drying your hands. When you you can like say a bracha, just hang in the towel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And well, it's, just, it's another way. We, we actually. I cut my fingernails Friday. It was a blessing. Amen. And we're actually, we have a blessing to say right before we put on the tallit. I, I mean, some of us are actually going over there and washing our hands, you know, before we suit up. So, you know, like you said, it can, it can be part of what we're doing. Yeah, yeah I, I think not jumping into all 39 at once is such a great idea because when you do these one step at a time, pieces, parts. <coughs> But it's exactly like you were saying, Taylor. It's really just a matter of like losing some conveniences. But I guess sometimes it's, I feel like at least, it's a little tricky for the nuances because it's like the more you study one specific one, the more ambiguous it becomes in, in regard to 
the way that it's applied, you know, because you have so many varying opinions, and even just like the thing about, so you, you don't want to do anything that causes hair to fall out, then you, you run into like the whole showering thing. Like, so it's I probably like, can't you got like a take a shower. Minute, you got a 40 minute hair deal right there. I well, no, I, I just like, I, can't, <laughs> I probably can't take a shower without hair falling out. Yeah, arms you know? And then like so taking off your, yeah. your shirt, but, like, but that, up against But your, that doesn't count, right? Well, that's, that's not, not, like that's not an intentional. Well, I mean, technically, combing's not intentional either. They're just well, but you're using a comb, right? Therefore, it just again, it goes back to the odds of it, I suppose. I mean, which I is know. which in is in, in of itself ambiguous too, because it's like at least in your job, you know, you have like the amount of risk that you can take before making a decision. But this is still like there's just still a lot of area of discussion. With with specifics, so like some for me, it's really helpful sometimes to look at to to hear the rabbis that kind of give more of their reasons. Like you you did for a couple of these, which was fantastic because it's like okay, here, here's the whole point of this. Like let's just let's not get caught up on on a lot of the the nuances because that can then become distracting. I feel like and then instead of having an opportunity to say a bracha after not doing something or or doing something, you're so focused on determining whether or not that was allowed or not allowed, and, and you've completely forgotten about the Which process. It's going to confuse the kids. And it's going to confuse the kids, exactly. So it's, it's great to hear, like, um, so here's some of the reasons. I mean, because that, that was a perfect example with when it came to, like, shaving, and uh, and I, I definitely agree with the combing thing, too. That, that does, that makes sense. It seems well, very similar to shooting. So let me ask you a question. You wrap. Are you expecting that the way you wrap is going to change as you grow older? Or are you expecting that the habits that you're establishing now as a young man are going to carry you through to older age? Maybe a little bit of both. I mean, there could be subtle changes. But, but for the most part, I would say... It's the habit establishing now that carries you from yeah. Okay. The child is the father of the man, as they say. So. <laughs> so you take off your shirt at the end of the day, pull your sweater over your head, and no hair comes off. I take this sweater off after you guys leave. <laughs> I can put in my hand what's going to come off my head. So. To me, back to the combing example, if you comb, there's a chance you're going to yank hairs out. A good chance. Taking off the sweater, some hair may come out for you, maybe. For me, guaranteed. Because by God's design, my hair is looser. I don't think he cares about me taking off my sweater. I think he cares that I take care to adjust my actions on Shabbat. So, if as a young man, I take my sweater off, I would say as an old man, I can take my sweater off. I'm just trying to look long-term and not step into this as an old man. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and therefore, I can teach my children a lesson for life not a lesson until they're 40. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. that, that's what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. I, I want what's right 
what's wrong? What should I lean towards? What should I lean against? Because that's what I need to teach my children. And over time, they're going to teach their children and their children. And, and it's, it's, I think it should remain consistent. I think there's few things in life that change as we get older. Yeah, I would say that out of all the ones that we looked at tonight, the one that I have that I'm maybe least convinced on is probably the brushing. Yeah. Just because it's, um, it seems like a little bit of a stretch to go to shearing. Because I'm not like taking, we're talking like a couple of hairs kind of along the scalp or along the surface of the head, or maybe even a couple that are already off that just happen to be floating in amidst all of this. It's usually, I mean, I, I, I got to have a lot of gel in there or something to be pulling out a ton of them. That being said, I do kind of wonder about maybe the issue to me might almost be less about the combing and more about the gelling. It's like if I'm in the morning spending five minutes putting my hair together because I got to you know get it all in my hands, I got to rub it all in, then I got to comb it over, and then I got to fix it, and it's like that's a lot of effort to put in. And maybe it's better to just you know take the day off. I can put a load of gel in my hair the day before and just see how it lasts. Wear hats more often. I don't know. But, I mean, maybe do touch-up work on Shabbat as opposed to sculpting. Um, that's just yeah, but, but you didn't go through sculpting, right? Well, uh, you'd be surprised, actually. This, this calic loves to do its own little thing in the morning. Yeah, but what I'm saying is you didn't discuss sculpting. Oh, no, no, no. What I'm saying, though, is, but, but that does, I mean, like I said, gel fits into a different category into smoothing. It's a different topic altogether. The point that I'm saying, though, is that I can understand why that would be a prohibited malakha because I, I can speak from experience that it is a quite a bit of effort right. that goes but, into it. But, but that's off topic for tonight. Right, a little somewhat, yes. Yeah. Right. I'm just saying that the combing, even if I were to say combing is fine, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to comb my hair in the morning because my hair takes more than just combing. Right, but taking off your sweater is a different story. No, no, no. no. Yeah, I, I don't, or I putting would, on a sweater. Or taking off your hat. Or No, I would yeah. definitely say that incidental hair loss issues, I did not find that anywhere in any of my research. And some of these guys were going really in-depth into the combing issue because it's such a misunderstood concept amongst a certain level of the Orthodox population. Yeah. A lot of people have no idea that doing this is somehow breaking shearing. Yeah. So because of that... Um, some of these guys are pretty passionate. Like they were pretty intense about these topics, and I didn't see really anything else that dealt with accidental hair loss right. as being like in and of itself a violation of that commandment. Um, Brock, I think you were first. Or I Taylor. Was first. Uh, I think the discussions about well, is taking off my sweater, combing, or is using gel as opposed to hair paste, as opposed to hair cream, as opposed to hair swab, wax. hair wax. That's smoothing. We're talking about it on a different night. Well, whatever the subject may be, I think that going into that a reasonable level of detail, the combing, for example, of, well, what if I just use my hands? I think that perhaps that may miss the main point, which is that whatever you do during the week, you shouldn't do on Shabbat. Mm. So... If normally you get ready and prepared by just using a little comb and swoosh swoosh, then I think it's pretty reasonable to assume that for for you on that, you probably shouldn't do that because that's going to fall under the combing. Hmm. So 
I think that may get you on the right track is, well, what do you do during the week? And then departing from that on Shabbat within a reasonable measure. Could also reintroduce the fedora to Bellatora, which is great. <laughs> so, the fedora Bellatora, Bellatora fedora. <laughs> say that times fast. Okay. So for me, I actually don't have a problem combing as much as what we're talking about. My problem lies more in shearing. Not that I don't I don't disagree with what was said. It's just for me that's the harder one because I've always had this concept of on Shabbat, you know, I'm going. It's, it's the Lord's day. I want to look my best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like a lot of men here present, the hair on my face grows really fast. <laughs> so I could shave it Friday, but by Saturday morning, you know, I've got, you know, stuff. So I want to cut it off so I look presentable and all these things. There might be, I don't know how well, depending on what your work schedule is and whatnot, but I even thought about possibly officially like that. Taking your shave and get to work. Taking it, taking it to work. Go to the bathroom right before I leave work. You know, brush up. It's like... Five, 5 o'clock or 5.30 in the summertime. It's 4 o'clock in the winter. And, you know, I've got myself a pretty good head start. At least the, the labor of the day is no longer there. Right. Well, of and, course, you really have to question. We love you to death. You're cute as a ball. No question about it. Who really cares if you've got, a, you know, a 5 o'clock shadow at 8 in the morning? Right, yeah, yeah. Right? Granted. Who are you trying to impress? Me? Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. I'm with you. Right? I I agree with with what you just said. But what I was thinking was interesting is the, like, we're all, we've been saying, you know, our mantra so far is, you know, don't do on Shabbat what you do during the week. Mm -hmm. So what I was just thinking is, well, I shave and, you know, dress up nice when I go to work meetings or, you know, when I go out with my fiance or when I go to my family's house. You know, so should I be doing the opposite of that on Shabbat? Obviously, the answer is no, but it's just something that I thought of. When well, I, I mean, within Judaism, the principle of sanctifying or setting apart the Shabbat uh, definitely applies to appearance. I mean, I, I don't want to make it sound like Judaism is sloppy. On the contrary, like one of the things they encourage is like, you got new shoes and you bought them on Wednesday. Wait till Shabbat to wear them. Like you've got. Um, like the nicest clothes you've got, the nicest food you've got. There's a blessing for your like outfits. You want to be yeah. doing um, special things on Shabbat. So I don't, I mean, they're not, certainly not trying to make you look sound sloppy. Um, but I think that it does make, it does raise some interesting questions regarding what is good appearance. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you, if you have a copy of GQ magazine from 1995 and a copy today, you will find that much to your surprise, like, your facial hair right now is incredibly, you know, business-like. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. It's unbelievable. I, I've literally seen ads recently where guys with full beards are in, like, suits, and it's, like, the new per- professional look. And I'm like, the full beard? That's so weird. Like, but that's, you know, that is, it's, it's neatly trimmed, it looks nice, and so on and so forth. So the point is that fashion changes, and what looks yeah. good and what doesn't look good comes in and out all the time. So, like, with that in mind, I think that, like, if I were to take the day off from shaving, so I got the bad boy look going, hey, guess what? That apparently does look good to somebody. So, you know, that's, no, that's nothing wrong with that. Um, and also, I don't know necessarily, like, just because I don't, I don't shave on Shabbat doesn't mean that, like, oh, man, I'm running late this morning. Oh, but I have to shave because I don't shave on Shabbat. i got to make them different. I mean, I, again, yeah. I don't think it's that extreme. I do think, though, that, like... Um, you know, so oftentimes I don't shave on Sundays just because it's part of the weekend. I don't have to, and I'll, I'll work on it on Monday. But um, it's nice to set up aside Shabbat as like a consistent thing. Like I will, you know, never shave on Shabbat. 
Because that just, I mean, that's just cool. I think it helps, it gets, sets it apart, gives you face a break, makes you feel special somehow. Um, but that's just, that's what I do. Yeah, right, and I completely agree with you. I just, that was the direction my thoughts were going rather than towards the whole sweater off the head thing just going out. <laughs> I thought we should switch. Uh, uh, sweater off the head. Everybody has officially mentioned that now. I, just an example. <laughs> well, I, maybe you guys can help me out with two things. So one, one of the things, this, uh, this will inevitably come up as we begin incorporating these in our lives, that, that somebody will, will, will pick one like you just did just now. I, 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 I can totally understand the combing, but the, sh- the brushing part, I'm, I'm a little iffy on, you know? And so the reasons and the arguments that we present for why we wouldn't do something, I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering about. Morgan and I were talking about this a lot. And so the first one that has come up several times is like, well, the, I, I really hardly have to make an effort in regard to this. And so, like somebody, um, that's a perfect, the, the brushing one is a perfect example. It's like, oh, it only takes me five seconds to do my hair. So I can just, you know, run the comb through it real quick and I, I'm done. It doesn't take that long at all. And that's someone's reasons for, oh, well, that, I'm not going to use, the, I'm not going to do that one, that particular application. I'm not going to observe that. that. Right. Um, and so I, I'm starting to think that that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. Like how much effort is involved in, in doing the activity that the Orthodox are suggesting not to do. Right. Um, so that's one. The and effort's then, not the issue. Right. And then the other thing was kind of like what you had just said, which is like, well, you know, this was exactly what they were doing, shearing an entire sheep, but I'm really only pulling out like a couple hairs, so it's not really the same. Like that argument, and I'm wondering if that's not necessarily the case too, because I mean, I th- even think of wringing something out. It's like you never ever wring completely out an, an item, so there's still a little bit of the dirty water in it. But they would still say that that's not the case. Right. And so it's like, I don't know if the quantity matters that much either. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think as we're looking at at the specifics that the Orthodox are suggesting, that maybe are if we're not going to do one, not going to incorporate one, we, we need to really know, like, why. Like, because I think that this verse overrides that, or mm-hmm. because I think that has no application whatsoever. Um, you know, well, and, yeah. what's that? We'll probably just boils down to different definition, right? Yeah, or definition. Well, I think, yeah, it really almost comes down to, like, almost like a legal argument. I mean, if, you, if you've ever, um, if you ever have seen, you know, a TV show or whatever, talking about a court case and there's a need to apply a principle and it's not you know cut and dry especially when it's some more unusual um, crimes or if it's like constitutional law is a classic example of that where like you're trying to figure out okay we, we know what this says but how do we apply it like how did how you know the the the, the guys in 1776 wrote this but what did they mean when they wrote that so that well, actually not 1776 1780 something what did they mean when they wrote that? So that way, we know how to apply it today. Because with what we are dealing with today, they weren't dealing with then. And I think that's the issue that we deal with like this one. So the question really is, do we agree with the sage's definition of shearing, that it's simply removing a regrowable item from, from a living being? Mm-hmm. And if we do, do we consider the idea that unintentionally doing so fits in that category as well? So that really, to me, is basically the hit or miss in the argument. If you agree with them on those points, I think you have to take 
brushing out. Yeah. If you don't agree yeah. to them those points, then you can leave brushing in. And that's really where it boils down to. I would take shaving out because to me, it's like that's exactly what shearing is. It's removing hair. I mean, there's really almost no way, you know, so, and I would probably consider, you know, finger clipping as well because you're taking an entire item off of your body. That's so that's, that's pretty much the same concept intentionally. You don't want it to be there and you're taking it off on purpose. When, you, when I think with the, the issue of the, the combing, is a little bit more delicate. That's the only. That's why I just want to discuss it. I haven't decided. <coughs> yes, sir. I had a question about washing, but uh, I mean, are you are you on the brushing issue? Are yeah, we still on I, brushing? I, I was I was gonna, you know, kind of declare my halakha, right? Because no, to me, this is this this is what these classes are about, right? Right. I mean, we we said last week that the desire is that you be able to. Declare a halakha and explain why. Right. So I, I think I've, I've, I love your comments. They were great. Thank you. Um, to me, you know, on this point, I'm going to avoid the comb. I'm not going to shave. And I'm not going to wash stuff. And by that, I mean I'm going to be careful with the with the towels out there, you know? Um, dry stuff, sure. Clean my hands, I'm gonna wash my hands. So far I don't have a problem with that. Um, but I'm gonna dry my hands with the towel and I wouldn't, I wouldn't think of wringing it out. So um, it, I guess changes, I'm, I look at Peter's shoes that he perhaps may leave out. Um, on Shabbat <laughs> and I'm going to look at those and I'm going to say he left his shoes out but today is not the day for me to say Peter put your shoes away we step over the shoes and we smile it's Shabbat I'm going to do the same thing with the comb am I going to worry about taking hair off taking my sweater off no I'm not or your you socks or my, <laughs> or my socks <laughs> yeah okay so um, yeah. Well, so when I get up in the morning, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use my fingers to to do my hair. I'm not gonna shave. And if I'm feeling a little bushy, or if, if I've been growing for a couple of days, and I don't want to be that way on Shabbat, I'm gonna I'm gonna do, I'm gonna take care of that Friday. Whatever time Friday is fine. I'm gonna take care of it Friday. So to, for me, that's that's what I got from your class today, yeah. is that. As far as hair, beard, rags, I, I, I feel pretty confident that these are generic enough in my mind that I can, I can share them with my, my grandchildren. And that's, to me, quite frankly, that's what this is all about. I'm going to die sooner than all of you. I need to be able to share what I believe and why with my grandchildren in a, in a kid-friendly way. And that's the only, well, that is my biggest pause, I suppose, in combing. Because I look at myself and I think, I have actually, I know this may sound shocking, had days where I woke up the next morning and my hair was relatively where I left it the night before. 
just because of gel and whatever else I put. I didn't I didn't ruffle myself up real bad the night before going to sleep or whatever else. So I slept pretty passively and woke up and looked fine. So I'm thinking, you know, especially if I were to do it like right before sundown or something or as I leave and work, just put a little touch up just to make sure it stays, it'd probably be fine and I could give it a shot. My bigger question, though, deals with um, my wife and, you know, Lord willing, my kids someday. How do I deal with, with, with them on the same issue? Because I can get creative, I suppose, and, and come up with solutions. It's not always so easy for, for everyone. I mean, like, like for you, your hair situation is different than Pete's. So your difference in application is, I mean, you can do it. But it's it's going to take maybe more effort on his part or whatever it may be. I don't know, Gregory. You know. Well, yeah, because I was wondering about when it comes to women, especially for us, it's not so much when we comb. But the whole point of brushing and combing for them is to detangle. Mm-hmm. So that's another piece to this that is in addition to hair coming out during the act of brushing. The whole, the, the whole concept of it is meant to detangle. Yeah. Well, technically, though, within combing, it was focused on items that were already detached. Yeah. It does not include hair. Okay. So Wait. any kind of detangling... Well, Wait, detangling is, is about... Right, but detangling, which is combing in the in the, the English translation, I really wish I, I wish I had learned all the different Hebrew words. Yeah, so detangling deals with disconnecting, not combing, though. Right. Right, combing, combing, Right, so combing, I can combing your hair. That's not combing the sheep. What do you think? You mentioned for your wife, attached for your wife trying to get the tangles out of her daughter's hair, is not what he just talked about. Right, because brushing is the question mark. Are you pulling hairs out? If you untangle hairs... When you think about the sheep using a tool to pull them. Well, that's true. But then on top of that, when it comes to the combing, which is what you're talking about, the untangling, the the sages make it very clear that refers to items that are off the living being. You've already removed the wool from the sheep, and now we're scraping it. You couldn't brush out your wig. That actually was raised. That was actually a question mark. Or the wool upstairs... You know, where they're right. trying to get ready to do some kind of... Because well, lest we forget, the tzitzit are wool. Right. So if you're like that untangling that, that's, yeah, it's attached from a living being. This is, this is at some level, it's a highly yeah. processed level, but it's basically exactly what they're talking so about. So if you're going to detangle your tzitzit, that's a day six opportunity. Yeah. A DSL. Go ahead, Colby. So let's say... My future wife has her hair in a bun and it's covered on Shabbos. Right? If she takes the scarf off and unties her bun, hair falls down at home. Is that? No. Nothing. I don't think that would. From what I know of, and I have not dealt into all 39, but of the three that I looked at, that would be fine. I'm I'm not sure if I missed something or if I'm confused, but so when a woman brushes her hair to detangle it, you're saying on the detangling level, that's fine. On the brushing level, it's a problem. Yeah, on the, because you're still brushing, so how does that actually become permissible? Well, right, that's what I'm it's saying, is that, like, it oh. all depends. There's the question. The question is, the question is, what are you applying there? If you disagree with the sages that brushing and by removing hairs by accident is the, is, is the same thing as shearing, if you're saying it's not, then you could argue brushing would be okay, sure. 
but maybe you you're saying but uh, but combing like they're defining it you know your seats are all in a tangle combing is not okay but that's just not combing this is brushing it's a different what's, subject what, what's the old movie uh, shearing sense and sensibility before that right you know so they're you know brushing the hair you know make it shine and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff that's what we're talking about yeah right it's it's not getting the tangles out the tangles are out long ago now we're brushing in order to shine and all of that. <coughs> but that still falls under the removal of the hair because you're going to be taking exactly, that hair. Exactly right. my point. So if yeah. you agree so with the sages, a day then you would have to take out the... You so could if, brush. If a single girl, for, for example, woke up on Shabbat morning is like, my hair is just tangles can be... So she's a tangles girl that day. She's Okay, that's what I was kind of... Unless she's going to do the finger thing and try and... Or just cover her head. Whatever, maybe. Or just shave it all off. Just shave it on day six. Day six, DSL. <laughs> so, but all these sort of fall uh, because of the definition of like animalness, right? So the definition of what? They've generalized right. it to make it a living being. Right. But typically, if you said shearing, you wouldn't think that applied to a human. Right. But they do. Right, because they're basically arguing well, that it's... Unless you've got a lot of hairy people. Well, I mean, because you wouldn't like ever be shearing <laughs> anything but a sheep in the building of the tabernacle. Right. He's shearing the cone. Right. <laughs> he brings up, of course, a really good point, and that is the sages have made a leap that we have not recognized. From sheep to people. From sheep to people doesn't really apply to people. But we've accepted it. Because, hello, you, you guys in the agrarian society... Don't shear those sheep. Even if you take the the third hand manifold leap, which is not that hard of a leap, that still wouldn't affect your life very much. Right. As this leap, which is the definition of the manifold, have applying to the applicability of the general audience. Right. Because it's the like I said, I think it's that le- the le- le- at that level, I believe it's the toldot. It's the the the, 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 the children of so they're the no longer looking at what the. Uh, like the uh, what, the action, but actually what you're doing, what's the result the of the action. Right? Then, well, not, not so, only the result, you're looking at well, literally actual, what is the what action. Is but they didn't necessarily, they did take it from a sheet, but they also said you're taking something living that's going to grow back. Right, that's what I'm saying. Well, they they, 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 they generalize it. And yeah, but it also purpose. makes the leap but, but that's what this is all about, right? Right. Are we going to accept that leap, and therefore we look at the comb and go, not today. Or we say to the girls, brush out your hair on Fridays, do the best you can on Shabbat. Or are we going to say, the sages made a leap, I'm not going to do that, and therefore my personal grooming habits and my children's personal grooming habits, which I teach them, are irrelevant to Shabbat. That's what this class is all about. And that's the personal decision that the decision each man here must make but if and if somebody said that I am not going to do that they would need to just be clear about I don't accept the fact that they made the leap from the sheep to the human which is the opposite I, I think that the sages were wise to recognize that these things used to do it to create the temple or the tabernacle are 
are actions which I should avoid in order to honor the Shabbat. Yeah. And I'm, I'm okay, personally, I'm okay saying that. I'm saying, so saying I'm not going to use the, the comb, and I'm going to, you know, uh, watch myself when I, when, I, uh, when my fingernails grow. I'm going to make sure I trim Friday, not on Shabbat. Yeah. Well, For me, the, I can work with that. The guy, I was thinking, so I am currently on the side as well of you no know, combing and things like that, but I'm sitting here with the other guy. It's going to be hard for me to accept any other argument other than I didn't make the leap from the, I, I chose not to agree with the sages from the sheep to the human. And but, to which I would accept his argument there, and I'm totally kosher with that. As long as he gives that argument, then he's, yeah, he should I'm be fine. I'm trying to think if he made another argument, I, I don't know what that argument would be that he could make. And then two, I would have a harder time accepting that. Well, I think the other argument that, that comes maybe that would be the debate between intentionally removing something from your body. That's what I'm about to say. Like completely intentionally removing something from your body versus... Um, coincidental removing in a different process. Well, and that's the issue I think that comes up with the combing is combing does you're not trying to pull hair out. In fact, at a certain point in your life, you're hoping it doesn't come. Thank out. you very much. Um, Autumn Munoz. She provides haircuts for her family. Right. That's I mean, a week. We, thing. we see we see the uh, the Instagrams with Noah and. You know, and the interaction between her and Noah because she's cutting his hair. Yeah, I think it's a perfect example. And this you do in the week, you don't do that on Shabbat. Exactly. I would, regardless of, of what their personal halakha was for Shabbat, I would have a problem if they, if she would cut Noah's hair on Shabbat. Right? And I have no idea if they are or not doing that. Uh, no, yeah, me neither. Probably not. I, I would say probably not. But that's, that's my point, is, okay, well, if, if I have a problem with that, that, that means I made the leap with yeah. the sages, right? Yeah. From the animal to the human, and therefore I would question, well, why, why, are, you, why are you cutting his hair? Why are you shearing his head <laughs> on Shabbat? Why wouldn't you wait until the next day or do it the day before? Yeah, but again, I think it's a personal point, but there and, might be. and that's the idea here. There, there might be people who doesn't who make that leap, but don't make the leap between is brushing really shearing. Right. So. I mean, I, and I think, and let me go back just real quick for a second. Um, one of the things I read one place that was really interesting. They said um, someone asked the question, "Well, then, can you basically just assume anyone who shows up on Shabbat morning with really well groomed hair must have broken Shabbat that morning?" <laughs> and actually, the guy responded by saying, "No, absolutely not. You cannot assume that because yeah. they may have done it the right way." And that actually, I think that comes back to something I think we mentioned last week, and we need to make sure we keep this. This is easily one of the most intense discussions most of us have probably had in our Torah walk since deciding to keep Torah. No question. Because when you're talking about things that you can or can't do on Shabbat, especially when you have 39 categories and all of their subcategories, that's, we're talking dramatic life changes. And, and as you pointed out, there are no... Scripture references that right. bring to so any this of this is really going to be discussion based and intuition based a lot of the time. So at that point, I feel like it's a huge mistake for any of us, even if we feel very strongly about our position, to be critical of other people. Um, that doesn't mean we can't have the discussion. If you pull right. up Instagram and right. oh, why? 
I see photos from the haircutting job, and that's that's dated Saturday. Right. Like, are are you doing this on Saturday? Like, well, yeah. Well, do you feel like that's shearing? No. Here's why. You know what? Whatever. What's shearing me? I haven't right. thought about that. Yeah. yeah so they're, they're, I'm not saying you can't talk about it, but we need to be very careful about our attitudes because this yeah. is this is this is not an yeah. easy one. This is a big one, and it's a it's it's a hard one. Just in general, not not talking about specifically, but in general, it's hard, and it's not fair to assume that everyone should be on the same page tomorrow. That's right. You know, unless we all take a vow to follow the Shulchan Aruch exactly, well, there's no way. Only Taylor's doing that. <laughs> there's no way that we can um, that we that we have any standard that we can all point to and say, "Well, you're definitely doing it wrong." Right. Yes, John. I would say that it is. I agree with you. It's very difficult, and that one might say this is a hairy topic. Oh no, hairy. Thanks, Wayne. But but he's sitting in the spot. I'm really glad. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I'm just. I'm really glad that we decided to brush the tangles out of it. Yeah. Instead of simply combing them over. Right. How long have you been waiting to do that? <laughs> no, no. I actually just thought of it. <laughs> uh, but I was. I was thinking about Wayne, who was not here, so I figured someone had his to, spirit. His spirit. Yeah. I figured someone <laughs> Clearly, had to his pro- spirit is pro- inside of you. Provide <laughs> the, the punish. <laughs> yes, sir. I guess there's. That was a really good point, Pete, about the the leap from sheep to human, and it's one thing. One of the things that always frustrates me is when people sort of create a metaphor out of scripture and then therefore they use that to kind of explain it away. And this is, I guess, more of an example of when they almost create a metaphor out of the sheep and apply that to all human life, like any kind of life. And um, But then they use that to, instead of explaining it away, like to add further prohibitions. But that I, that I'm going to have to really think about that concept more because yeah in regard to these specifically that were not mentioned in regard to human human interaction but human to animal interaction that that is a pretty big jump when well, you put it that I way I think you're going to find that almost all of the 39 Malakot are in the same kind of deal <coughs> right whether it's if an I'm animal not or building something or planting my, something or pl- yeah is well, my actions are my actions in line with or violating the intent here? I mean, it, it really is, they're all going to be pretty much along those same lines. This one's it's dramatic. Like, it's, yeah, not as dramatic, to, I guess. You know, I think, though, well, actually, Pete, what did you really say? That I don't think that's true. What, what's not true? I think it's going to mostly be just these that had to do with why. It's a different kind of leap. Like the one you mentioned, the writing one. Mm-hmm. That's not a leap at all, because you're actually writing when you yeah when you're, you're building, building the temple and you're writing. Not. So, do well, but but you're not really writing. You're not writing something that's intended to communicate it's not something the same to kind someone of leap else. As to say, when I share a sheep, it's the same as combing my hair. Well, it's that's what I'm saying. it's certainly not the same thing when I put a mark on a board, as I write, "I love you, sweetie," on a napkin. Same. And next to my wife's plate. Although I, I don't think that's even close I to the same thing. I Pete's saying is that it's, it's a similar enough action in terms of it's like the same category. To me, though, this reminds me of the discussion that we, that you, the class you taught on separating meat and dairy. That if you translate the commandment as strictly applying to don't boil a baby goat in the milk of its mother, 
then, phew, boy, I got check marks on that one. The yeah. odds of me ever doing that are real. <laughs> Holy cow! Exactly. I, I wouldn't lay bets on that one. So it's like, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I don't own any goats. I don't really eat goat, so I'm good. You know, as long as I don't have any, like, weird goat. I don't even know what Joshua the goatless man. So this guy made it the, easy the for us. That was just for a reason, for a season. Yeah. So that. So I appreciate <laughs> one of the things that got brought up in that class is that that really raises questions about why God would make this command such a big deal. Three times. He mentions it over and over again, but yet it only applies to a very specific category. Um, and that may be true, it may not be. But the point is, I appreciated that, and so like for me, like my separation goes beyond goats and goat milk but and i think that's to me that's the same concept here it's like if i with at least some of these malachot if i do limit it to strictly that genre um then yeah the entire section that deals with animals i can pretty much just throw it all out because there's almost nothing except maybe if i have a real fur coat or maybe if yeah pet wait yeah making the fur coat well right Right. Or maybe if I have a pet, or maybe if I, you know, go hunting on Friday and want to clean the pelts on, on Shabbat, there's really almost no other application for me. But that's sort of the point, right? Because the Melchot were are derived from making the tabernacle. Right, yes. So it would make sense that you would only run into them when you're trying to make something, right? It could. Right. On the flip side, though, I think the other side to this is that the 39, the ones that they chose, they chose based on the fact that those were what it took to build a tabernacle. I mean, you know, they literally started from scratch. They went to the most basic levels of these actions, of these processes, to the point of shearing a sheep is part of making the Mishkan. I mean, realistically... I would have never thought of that. I'd have stopped and started with sewing. That was where well, it begins. That's where it ends. You for, buy us, it from the, for us, it's going to Lowe's. Yeah, it's buying the yard right? store, you know, whatever it might be. And that's where I'd focus. So by starting at the most basic level, I feel like they've kind of already established the idea that they want to cover the most basic understanding of this concept. So the most basic understanding of this concept is what they're trying to do by generalizing it to being removing uh, hair or grow, a regrowing item from a living being. That's the most basic building block breakdown of what the action is. Anyway, so you can disagree with that. You can say, well, that's, I don't think that that's God's intent because the focus is really on building something, so it doesn't apply in this. And that's, I mean, that's your argument, I, or if, that's, right. if it, that's your argument. And therefore you toss the 39. Well, no, not all of them. You, you toss some of them. Here, here, here it is. Grinding still applies <laughs> because grinding pepper and grinding. <laughs> If you're not going to build something on Shabbat, you toss well, the 39. No, 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 no. But they're not all building. I mean, they're, they're, they're related to the actions that go into that. It's like grinding pepper is the same as grinding Reaping perfume. Doesn't have to be That's building. essentially the same thing. So there are examples <laughs> of that um, where you where one does relate directly to the other. Like writing. The writing. If I'm not going to make Even perfume, shearing. am I really doing that when I no. grind my pepper? Yeah, see what I mean? No, 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 it does. I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just strong as man. an example. That's a straw man. <laughs> All I'm saying is, to your point, you've got to make some type of transference right, from the literal building of a tabernacle to these actions, 39 of which are associated with specific items in the tabernacle, 
rather than the number of actions or the number of deeds it took to actually build the tabernacle, mm -hmm. which was last week's class. Mm. Cool. Any other comments? So you're not washing, combing, brushing, driving. So brushing <laughs> teeth is okay because yeah. there's no hair That's in your mouth. Actually, yeah. Is there hair in your mouth? You've got to be careful around the mouth. You just can't. Brushing yeah, teeth. Yeah. Around the beard. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, yeah. brushing teeth does is fine. That does go. fit a different category. Well, it's very important. Right. But you just can't make your gums bleed. Right. I try not to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the sensitive gums. Yeah. yeah. They have toothbrushes for that breath. Some say that you didn't just really brush them. <laughs> Skip the first two. My dad always said, "You ain't bleeding." Okay, first you two. Brush harder. <laughs> I brush with steel wool. Did I'll you shear that wool? I brush pre-sheared sheared wool. From a steel sheep. Are you saying skip the first two categories, or skip the first two lines? The first two Told lines. Those. As I okay. may your end be with the life of the world to come, and your deeds affect the hope of many generations. May your heart ponder and achieve understanding of Torah. May your mouth speak wisdom to every song, everyone you meet. And may your tongue bring forth song. As you praise the Holy One, blessed is He. May you have the self-control to look straight before you. May your eyes be enlightened by the light of Torah. And may your face shine like the brightness of the sky. May your lips utter knowledge, your heart rejoice in righteousness, and your feet run to hear the words of the Ancient of Days. Amen! Amen. Amen. Yeah, thank, thank you. Well done. <laughs>